This is the Stanley Avenue Church of Christ. We're going to be going through um, Genesis chapter 6 in our weekly reading. We're going to begin in verse 9 because we coupled the first eight verses of chapter 6 with chapters 4 and 5. So here in Genesis chapter 6 verses 9 starts by reading, and I'm going to be reading from the NET. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a godly man. He was blameless among his contemporaries. He walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was ruined in the sight of God. The earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth, and indeed it was ruined. For all living creatures on the earth were sinful. So God said to Noah, I have decided that all living creatures must die. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. Now I am about to destroy them and the earth. Make for yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in the ark. Cover it with pitch inside and out. This is how you should make it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Make a roof for the ark and finish it leaving 18 inches from the top. Put a door in the side of the ark. Make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am about to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under the sky all living creatures that have the breath of life in them. Everything that is on earth will die. But I will confirm my covenant with you. You will enter the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you. You must bring into the ark two of every kind of living creature from all flesh, and male and female, or male and female, to keep them alive with you. Of the birds after their kinds, of the, and of the cattle after their kinds, and of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind will come to you so that you can keep them alive. And you must take for yourself every kind of food that is eaten, and gather it together. It will be food for you and for them. And Noah did all that God commanded him. He did indeed. Such a relatively straightforward text here, where God is giving him some reasons for this, uh, giving him blueprints of what he wants to do. What's important to note is that this is a, a new section, a new genealogy, whereas the previous genealogy of Adam of chapter 5, um, we've got different family records uh, presented, and this is a way that Genesis organizes its text. You'll notice all the way back in chapter 2, uh, where we began with verse 4, these are the records of heaven and earth, these are the families, it's the same uh, phrase used there. And then that uh, phrase reins, uh, restates at the beginning of chapter 5. So Genesis is, is sectioning itself out by that phrase, these the genealogical records of. So the records of the heavens and the earth include the creation of Adam, include the birth of Cain, and end with the physical, fleshly-minded, uh, evil, wicked generation of Cain. And then we restate a new generation, a new genealogy, with Adam. And unfortunately, that generation also, at, at the beginning of chapter 6, concludes with evil and wickedness also. 
And now we're beginning a third section, a third genealogical family record of Noah, and this is going to take us through the next couple chapters. So the remaking of heaven and earth that we're going to find in the flood is part of Noah's generation, almost as if um, we are reversing what happened in the first couple chapters where uh, Adam is presented as a child of earth, uh, from dust he was taken to dust he shall return. Here, the new heavens and the new earth are presented as a child of Noah. And so I wonder how much that's meant to foreshadow uh, the way God's going to remake things in uh, in the end of days, where there is going to be a remaking of a new heavens and a new earth in a completely new sense, um, and in which case it is going to be a place in which righteousness can dwell. And so we are not going to be fashioned after the new heavens and new earth, but rather the new heavens and the new earth um, is going to be fashioned after our likeness, in a sense, the spiritual light uh, the, the righteousness, the holiness uh, that we are able to then present before God. Anyways, uh, we've got Noah here as the main character over the next couple sections. He's got three children. Uh, if we were to cross-reference the exact time chronicling here uh, between this chapter and chapter 11, uh, we find that these three children would have been birthed pretty close to around this same time. Uh, that uh, the floodwaters come when Noah was 600 years old. It took him 100 years to build this. And yet, uh, his, uh, his, his children, uh, Shem specifically in chapter 11, was only 100 years old, uh, a couple years uh, after uh, the flood. So, uh, right within this period of time that God is communicating this to Noah and giving him the blueprints is around the same time that he's starting to have these children. So, I wonder whether or not he waits 500 years, which, which is an unprecedentedly long time. Is it because he could not have children? Is this the first case in Genesis, which is so common, of people being unable to have children until later in life? Uh, that would fit the pattern that we see throughout the rest of the book. Or is it that he is choosing not to have children because he sees such wickedness in the world? But now that God is coming to him with a plan of redemption for a new world and a new earth where new generations are going to take their place, now he starts having children to prepare for that new world as well as uh, the wisdom of having uh, helpers uh, to help him build uh, this this salvation vessel. And that does become a pattern throughout uh, the, the rest of Scripture, that the builder, the architect, uses um, children to help build things. So remember the way David uh, designed the temple, uh, but then he would use Solomon, uh, by God's orders, use Solomon to actually build it. Uh, remember also the way Jesus is the designer, uh, ultimate master builder of the church, uh, of of the kingdom of God, and yet we, his children, are workers helping to build up and, and being part of the workforce, the task force, to actually get this done. So God uh, is letting Noah know that he's going to destroy all the earth, so there's consequences for everything, and he just wants to start over with a complete brand new picture in mind, and he's going to start over with Noah. He gives the outline to this, I, I don't put a whole lot of symbolic meaning behind the dimensions and, and the construction of the ark, uh, other than uh, that it probably is, you know, reminding the Israelites of the way their tabernacle and or the, the ark of the covenant, its dimensions may have been somewhat similar. 
uh, and the the idea of an ark, uh, a box, it was the centerpiece to the Israelite salvation. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant was the center of God's dwelling with them. It was his throne, the, the most holy thing, that when they drew near to the Ark, ideally, they would be closer to God's presence. So in this sense, God commissions to Noah and a box, a vessel which shall also be his salvation. And then he's going to uh, bring to Noah bits and pieces, as it were, remnants of all uh, the living beasts of the earth. We're going to see its significance, I think, more in the next chapter, though. And so he commissions Noah to do this. Uh, he's going to say, I will establish my covenant with you. And I think that's an important phrase we see throughout other parts of Scripture. This is what he says to Abraham. It's what he says to David concerning his special son. So God's going to use this phrase, I will establish my covenant with you, as a very important phrase. And so the Israelites needed to, to pick up on this as they were receiving the law, and then they read this, that God was picking them out to be a special holy nation, separate from the world, and that whatever judgments God brings against the world, he can save his special people through the instrument and the vessel that he has chosen. So for the Israelites, the instrument, the vessel, the box, the ark, that he has chosen is the worship, sacrificial, the ceremony, the law itself, all of that for the Israelites. That was their saving ark. And the, the purpose of the uh, of, of the, the sanctuary, the tabernacle, even the temple, was to be a source of light to the Israelites and then of light to the nations. And so all people can have the opportunity, remnants from all nations can have the opportunity to flock to Israel for this salvation. The reality is that the Israelites failed in this, and that is very sad. Um... But it does open up the doors to God's true plan, which was to bring salvation through Jesus anyways. So Jesus becomes the ultimate fulfillment of this very thing, where he comes as a builder of a master builder, the one with the blueprints of God. And re remember how many times Jesus would say things like, everything the Father tells me, that's what I, that's what I do. Or I, I don't say anything that the Father uh, doesn't tell me to say. Oh, that kind of a thing. I do all things that are pleasing to the Father. Well, that's that's similar to what Noah does here. Everything that God commanded Noah, he did. And so Jesus also comes to build and to build salvation for God's remnants, for God's special people, the, the narrow, small minority of people who actually want to commit themselves to God. Even Jesus would use the example of the time of Noah as the time of the coming of judgment. Um, and so in, in all the different judgment scenarios throughout history, as well as the greatest judgment of all time, is going to reflect itself back in this period. And the question we have to ask ourselves, just as the Israelites needed to, are we building God's house, are we building God's vessel, God's ark, the way we ought to? Are we being careful to do everything that God has said? Are we being careful to be holy, to be separate, to be righteous? Are we seeking to walk with God? Or are we being pulled into the world? It is so easy to be pulled into the distractions 
of this life. Remember what Jesus said about the time of Noah, that people didn't expect the flood to come. They didn't see it coming. Why? Because they were distracted by all the things of life, like marriage and foods and eatings and parties and all those kinds of things. Dist distractions. They keep our eyes off of what's really important. They keep our eyes off the danger of our own sins. Noah held himself aloof from the distractions. He walked with God, and God gave him a special job to do, a difficult job to do, one that he would have to labor on for a significant period of time. Likewise, we too are going to have to spend our whole lives working on the house of God, the building project of building ourselves up into the image and the statue, the ultimate blueprint of Christ himself. But if we will commit ourselves to Jesus, if we will commit ourselves to our pattern, we know that we can find favor with God just as Noah did and be saved from the coming judgment when it does come. So uh, we're going to talk more about chapter 7 uh, next week, so make sure to come back and uh, read through that chapter as well.